0: How many of us have ever had a Christmas where things went bad or it reminded you of things that were bad or it magnified the bad things in your life, okay? How many of us have ever had a wonderful Christmas and things were going well and it magnified the good things? I've always said this. I have said it in the last couple years of Christmas series that I really believe that Christmas has a tendency to magnify the good if things are going well, but it tends to magnify the bad if things are going bad. I, 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 I'm glad my mom's in, I, this sounds horrible, I'm glad she's in heaven, okay, because she's not missing anything on this earth, but I miss her. And so when do I miss her the most? Christmas, March 13th, her birthday, um, just ordinary days, I just remember all of a sudden, oh yeah, she's gone, even though it's been since 2016. But so, Christmas, and I wouldn't change the fact, I mean, if, she, if I was in heaven, don't pray for me to come back or whatever. You know, if, I, if I'm, no offense, but most of us, we would not miss a thing here. If you really, or in Christ, you're like, oh, no, I want to be there. Um, it definitely wouldn't be this cold there. Um, but if you're dealing with stuff in your life right now, Christmas has a tendency to magnify the stuff and all the negativity. And uh, I've, some of us who are dealing with, they, we just love Christmas. How many of us? You put up your Christmas decorations right after um, Thanksgiving. Before? Before Thanksgiving? No? Okay, because you can still go to heaven, but... uh, How many of us like Hallmark Christmas movies? I heard that they're working. We just watched one. What what day was that that we watched it? No? Whatever day it was. Last Sunday? Oh, no, it was when? No, it was... No, whatever day it was. I heard that their their work Hallmark is actually working on a second um, storyline because all the rest of the movies is one storyline, right? Um, we were watching one and it it was fun. It was cheesy. Um, it was perfect, except for the little beginning. There was a little bit of a minor bump in the relationship, and then all of a sudden it works. You know, um, some of us, if you have if you love Christmas, you love the lights and you love the Christmas carols, and if for free, you can go to the grocery, not for free. Yeah, you can go to the grocery store for free, just you won't leave the same. But you can go there and listen to Christmas music all day. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. But if that's you, you want Christmas to be like the Hallmark. I try to be cheesy there, but you want the perfection. And the reality is for most people, it is a time that you look back and you go, oh, this is who I miss. This is what, it used to be this way. The kids came home, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, it's not like that. So what's there to look forward to? I pray that each one of us would experience and encounter Jesus. I'm praying over myself, too, that we would experience and encounter the living Jesus who came to this earth, he left heaven, lived this life on earth for you and for me, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. I've talked with some people who believe in God who don't celebrate Christmas because Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I get it. He was probably born in April, okay? But the reality is... Um, It would be funny if he was born on April 15th, tax day. But anyway, I don't know. I just think weird like that. But we choose a certain day. I guess we would do it every day. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is hes alive. But we choose one day a year where we go, we're going all in with Christ and going, thank you for the incarnation of Christ. That He came, God the Son became flesh. Try to wrap your head around that. I get it. It's tough. But he came and he lived the perfect life that all of us were meant to live, but we can't live a perfect life. So we need someone that's perfect. When he goes to the Father, he says, these are mine. God the Father who is judge, who it should scare some people, but for other people we go, no, I'm in Christ. You can go to the judge and say, I got the best defense attorney on planet Earth and in all the universe. He's, his name is Jesus. Christmas is what it's all about right now, especially. And so... I think another thing about December that people do, maybe you don't, but how many of us use December as a time of reflection? You, you, maybe not a long time, but you think back for the last year. You think about what you accomplished. You think about what happened to your family. You look back and you go, thank you, Lord, that you called me to this, and I actually accomplished this. But it's also a time when you look back and you go, I, I have some regrets. I know you don't have any regrets this last year, but for humans we have regrets. We look back and go, this is what I plan to do. I made a goal on January 1st of this last year. And then by January 2nd, maybe even January 1st the night before going to bed, I failed. Okay. So it is a ch- it's a chance for us to reflect. And I look back at some situations in my life over the last 27, 20, almost 30 years of being a Christian. And I think, You know, those times that I feel like I have regret, it's only because I didn't have enough or proper um, counsel. I needed someone to tell me, help me along the way. When I was first a Christian, I had two types of things that were helping me. A, I had God's Spirit that was helping me and showing me the way. He was the great counselor, the wonderful counselor. But I also had people in the church, not just the pastor. I had a great pastor. I had a great youth pastor. Pastor Andy, Pastor Tom, I had both, they both helped me. Pastor Andy was one of my neighbors, so I got to hang out with him all the time and ask him the tough questions and that kind of thing. Both Pastor Andy and Pastor Tom and certain individuals in the church helped me to guide me. They gave me instruction. They gave me help. They say, well, if I were you, this is what I would do. Sometimes they were wrong. Have you ever got bad advice from someone? Yeah. Hey, buy that car. Fords are the best. Uh Uh-uh. I grew up a Chevy guy, and you know what? It doesn't matter what kind of car you have. Once in a while, that hood's going to stay up, and you're going to be looking at the engine, right? Every car, okay? Not Toyota. Please, Lord. Not Toyota. So far, so good. But, except for the windshield's got a crack, but that's cosmetic. But I I really think that I'm going to say something that's going to be a great gift to me and to you and it's something that we all know. We don't know everything. How many of us think we know everything? How many of us had kids that thought they knew everything? I remember knowing everything about 16, 17 years old, and then by 24, 25, 35, 40, you know, then I finally realized I don't know everything. I know just a little sliver of everything, very minute, very small, but when I was a kid, I thought I knew everything. And if you don't know everything, you don't know what to do in every situation. You need account, You need advice. You need someone to guide you. And here's a biblical word that I love. You need wisdom. How many of you guys need more wisdom? Yeah. Wisdom is one of those words that's like, yeah, I know I need it, but Lord. Uh, it, it, maybe here's another way of saying it. How many of us have all the wisdom in the world for every situation? You need someone on the outside because you're too close to you. You you can't see everything. You can't notice everything. You have blind spots in your life that someone from the outside can say. It's kind of like yesterday. We went to Lewiston, and I was eating a hamburger. And I had someone that was on the outside of me that said I had a bunch of barbecue sauce on the side of my mouth. I mean, you don't ever, when you eat a hamburger at Hazel's in Clarkston, I felt like I was going to heaven. Maybe you think I would be going to heaven after eating that. But, I mean, it was so good. I recommend it. I, I really do. But And I realized that the burger they had, had barbecue sauce on it, had bacon on it, had, oh, and it was, it, it's weird that it was like barbecue sauce that was flavored with root beer. Oh, it's so good. No, it's, it's, it sounds, yeah, all your face is like, don't be so judgmental, you know? It was good. But, I had someone on the outside, my wife was across from me, and she said, you've got barbecue sauce on your, how many times that happened? Three times. Because it's so good. I didn't care what I looked like. But then she said, next time I'm not even going to say anything. What I'm saying is that I am too close to me, so I couldn't see everything in the whole picture. I need someone that was outside of me to tell me, hey, you've got some barbecue sauce on, 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 your, on your side of your face. It was a lot. Okay, we got the picture. We, it was good. Saving it for later, that's all. You know, you never know when you're going to need another thing of barbecue sauce. But I want to bottle that barbecue sauce and take it home. But we, we have regrets. We have things that we need wisdom. We need someone that's going to see our life from afar. They're going to see it from outside and go, no, this is what you need to do because you're too close to you sometimes. You don't see everything. You don't get the whole picture. You need, I need the Holy Spirit to show me where I'm going wrong, where I need someone such as the Holy Spirit or other people that say, stay away from that person. Stay away from that investment. Stay away from that job. How many of us wish we had someone to say, stay away from that job or that investment or that relationship? Okay. Because we thought, we, we, were, we were so close to it. We're like, this is the right situation. This is the right relationship. This is the right job. And then you realize, I should have got better advice about that. I should have got better wisdom. We have one that is ultimately wise. We have counsel. We're in a series called The Light Has Come. And I love it because you live in a a world that is set at war. And you you live in a world that is dark. It's dim. It's like when you walk around. People... Over in Cami, especially Pine Ridge, there's a few there's a few lights that are on the street street lights, but Cami, for the most part doesn't believe in street lights. I come from a city where street lights were everywhere. Okay, I could see it from my bedroom window; is that bright? And uh, but it's like walking down the street without a flashlight, and I need a little bit of guidance. I need some light, or I'm gonna trip over some. Few times where I took our dog out for a walk without my flashlight, I. I was, like, in someone's yard or in the, in the ditch. I was like, well, how did I get here? Because I can't see in front of me. I'm, like, kind of night blind, so I can't see everything in the dark. And I realized I was in the neighbor's ditch. Now I can't do that because they have their kid's truck there now because he drives. And, I mean, I realized I'm, like, walking this way instead of straight to my house. But I need a light. And Jesus, in my life, he's a light. He's a guidance. He's a He's a shepherd. He wants to shepherd us. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read it again. If you've been here the last two weeks, you're going to be like, again? Yes, again. There's certain scriptures that I get to, and I go, I've got to pull the brakes a little bit, and I've got to watch and see what God is really saying about that. I want to know if there's any dark areas in my life that I need God to shine his light in. I, I really do. And this is where it's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Before we get to the most famous of all the passages of Christmas, He says, God says, nevertheless, that time of darkness, that time of despair is not going to go on forever. That is, I need to hear that from the Lord. Okay, that's from the Lord himself saying, if you're experiencing darkness and despair in your life, it's not going to go on forever. Now, what's interesting about this is when he said it's not going to go on forever, it lasted 600 years of darkness before Jesus showed up. So God's timing's all weird. Now, I will say it this way, God's timing is perfect but he's not, his is not like mine. I want it to happen right now. I'm guilty, and I've said this before. I, had, I have a huge headache. Let's say I have a huge headache, and I'm like, okay, Lord, heal. Well, I guess you don't want to heal me because it still hurts, right? I mean, we want God. We, we live in an instant world. McDonald's is too slow. Going to microwave stuff is too slow. I, I like multi meal. I don't know if you like that you know, that hot stuff, you put water, milk, or whatever like that, it, it takes a grand total, including putting the water in the pan, two minutes. And I'm like, hurry up. I want, I want it right now. I want to fill it with honey or whatever, or syrup, or, or chocolate chips, or something like that. I really ruin it. But I want it right now. And God says, there's going to be a time that your despair and your darkness in your world is going to go away. But you're going to have to wait a little bit. In other words, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me with all of your heart. And then he goes, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Jesus was from Galilee, the man from Galilee, okay? So they're looking ahead. We're looking behind going, Jesus came as a man, but they're looking ahead. There's going to be a day that light will shine, and it's going to come from Galilee of the Gentiles. It's going to be filled with God's glory, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness, they're going to see a great light for those who live in a land of deep darkness, or if you live, here's another way of seeing that word, if you let, live in a land, uh, the culture is dark. The culture is going this way. God's word says this, but the culture is living that way. There's going to come a time where a light will shine. God says, I'm going to give you a promise, but I realize you're living in dark times right now. And i got to say it to each one of us. Some of us right now are, de- are dealing with some dark issues. Relationships, finances, some, things, some decisions have to be made. And you don't know what to do. And it's like wandering in a cave without the light, without a flashlight. What do you do? You're looking for a sliver of hope. You're looking for light to shine under the door. I said this a few weeks ago. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. And when my parents would flip the switch on in the hallway, I'd see a little bit of light. All of a sudden, the monster under my bed would go away. Because the light, to me, when I was a kid, that was the secret, was that light. But the reality is, when God shines that light in your life, there's every reason for hope in this dim, dark world. The, the world can do certain things that are weird. And the culture d- might not change. But your vision, the way that you see the world, will be good, will, will be see clearly. A light will shine. Verse 6, here is the famous line that you have on Christmas cards, okay? Isaiah 9:6: For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. It is a Christmas present. He's given to you. I said this last week. Some of us weren't here. Jesus is a gift 100%. You cannot earn him. You cannot be good enough to get him. You cannot be obedient enough, even though those things are important. Obedience is number one. You'll see in a moment why. But the very when you don't know Christ, how do you receive Christ? Just like a Christmas present. You're like, come on, Lord, help me. And you wrap open that gift, and you tear open the box, and you go, "Thank you, Lord." You don't get, you don't go there and go, "I've got a wonderful present for you," but it's going to cost you hundred dollars. Unless someone gives you an animal for Christmas or birthday, that's not a Christmas present. Or that's that's that costs money. That kind of pre- anybody ever got a pet for a birthday present or something? <laughs> uh, I had a cat. We'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Anybody cat lovers here? Nobody? It's okay, you can go to heaven still. Someone's like, the government will rest on his shoulders. And Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, we talked about this last week, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah's talking to people who are in deep trouble, and they need a light. But also, he was talking to a people thousands of years ahead, to us. He's saying, someday, Jesus is going to show up, which he already did 2,000 years ago. But think about our world. We need the wonderful counselor. I need the wonderful counselor. We need a mighty God. We don't need a God who's puny and weak. You can look at the Bible and there's all sorts of stories about people saying, I believe in the God of the Bible. I I believe in Yahweh. And they're like, no, 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 we believe in Baal. We believe in all these, we're putting up all these Asherah poles and we're bowing down to these Asherah poles. And there was all these instances where they're saying, let's prove who God is. And all these other false gods were silent and they go, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's asleep. We need a God who is mighty, Everlasting Father. We need a God who is always available. In your darkest and deepest discouraging moment, we need a God who is there, who's everlasting, who's outside of time. That, what that means is if God is outside of time, that all things are possible. He sets the rules down and he can bend the rules. That's why we believe in the supernatural. Sometimes healing doesn't take place like you wish it would. But we can't shut down that whole idea of God being this miracle God because it is possible in your life. And he wants to be your prince of peace. How many of us need peace? I do. I need peace. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about one of these. Last week we went out of order on purpose. Um we talked about everlasting father. I wanted to set the foundation of the series by saying that God is eternal, that Jesus is more than just a carpenter's son, or as the old bumper sticker says, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. Have you ever seen that? He's a lot more than that. Are you kidding me? Even though that's I mean it brings you back to the old days. I know what they're talking about, but he is more than just a carpenter. He's more than just a man. He's more than just a teacher. He's more than just this guy, this guru that showed up 2000. He is He's everlasting, and God plays the role of father. And I talked, this is so important. Now, some of us have have or had good fathers, but even those people, you realize that those fathers were not perfect, correct? Your father, whether he was good or not, he was not perfect, and he didn't always give you right advice. He didn't always... He wasn't always there when you needed him in the the middle of the night when you needed something and you were ready to give up. He wasn't always available. But I realize that some of us, when you think of your father, earthly father, you you shut down because it brings back horrible, horrific memories. And to think about God as father, you go, no, no. I am convinced in my life, I am convinced 100%. That some of our issues in our life, in our world, in our culture would, would improve if fathers just did what they were supposed to do. And not only that, some of the issues that we have, the hurt and the pain in our heart and all the woundedness. Every one of us is wounded. How many of us are a little bit wounded in our hearts a little bit? I am. Okay? Because things have happened in my life that have caused wounding in my heart. And I could ignore it, or I could say, God, you need to heal me of this because it's affecting everything. It's affecting my relationships. It's affecting the way I spend money. It's, the way that I give adv- it's, it's affecting the way I give advice. It's affecting the way I can love or not love people. It's affecting my relationships with the people in the world. I need to be healed. And how does that happen? When the church stands up and says, Lord, I see you as my heavenly father, and I need to be fathered by you. Now, sometimes we don't say that. And I would recommend, if you're a reader, I would recommend, I said this last week, I want to say it again, the book by John Eldridge called Fathered by God. It is, it is a book of healing for sure where God wants to father you. And I don't care how old you are or how good your father was or not, we all need a father who's going to bring us and show us, and he's going to heal those broken and wounded spirits. And we, need, we all need that. But we're going to talk about this first one. Wonderful, counselor. Everybody say wonderful. We're gonna talk about wonderful now. I want you to think about the definition of wonderful or a synonym of wonderful. How many of us? What's 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 another word for wonderful? Great. Yep. Awesome. I like that one because I might be have that in my notes. Anybody else? Wonderful. What's another What's another word that reminds you of wonderful? Any English scholars here here? Well, I thought of a few, I thought of a few. Obviously, we go we say, Oh, that's wonderful. My grandma, you know, she'd say, Oh, that's wonderful, dear. My generation, I would say, that's awesome. Right? If you're a child of the 80s, you usually don't say that was mom, that meal was just wonderful. I don't think I ever said that to my mom, but I did say, Mom, that goulash was really weird. I don't know what that goulash was. No, but sometimes I would say, Mom, that homemade pizza that you made, awesome. So I realize that I've ruined the word awesome by my generation, by just saying awesome. Those fries at McDonald's, awesome. Arby's fries, awesome. That Mountain Dew, awesome. We kind of minimize the word awesome. We realize that awesome is one of the names of Jesus, wonderful. Actually, the number one synonym of the word wonderful is the word awesome. Another one is amazing, okay? Or the word awe, which is where we get awesome, but the word, like when you're filled with awe by what Jesus has done in your life, wow, I don't even know how to put into words. You say, wow, I am filled with awe. Or, You know, Christians who are like, yeah, whatever. God's amazing. Whoop-de-doo. Woo-woo. You know? We need to be filled with God's wonder again. We need to be filled with God's awesome power. And this one defines what he is. He's a wonderful and awesome counselor. Everybody say counselor. Counselor. We'll talk about that word in just a moment. But one of the words that defined Jesus while he was on this earth, even to this day, is still the same. But when he was walking this earth, people were amazed by Jesus. They were filled with wonder. I have a few verses I want to put up there. Matthew 12, 23, it says this, The crowd was amazed. Pause. When was the last time that God amazed you? You might not want to say that out loud. Answer that out loud. Sometimes we get such stuck in such routine with God that we forget how amazing he really is. We go through all these rituals and these routines that are all the same. We need to be shook up a little bit, Lord. Not sometimes, don't don't shake up too much in my life. What I mean is that we need to go back to square one with God. And we need to wake up and say, Lord, I want to be amazed by you. There's a song, I think it's, Lord, I'm amazed by you. I love that. But then they ask the good question. Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah. Some people got really smart and realized that this Jesus is more than just a carp... He's not a carpenter's son. He's more than that. He might be... Could he be the son of David, the Messiah? Because they're waiting for him. Matthew 21, verse 20. See, the crowd was amazed. Now it goes deeper. The disciples were amazed when they saw this. And they asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? He withered the fig tree, which I talked about that in my Mark series, by the way, so you might want to do some digging on YouTube because some people don't preach on that, ser- that sermon, that, that passage. But they were amazed, Mark chapter 2, verse 12. They were all amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Our God is an awesome God. And the last one, I really love this one. It's Luke 5.26. It says it all. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen some amazing things today. There's a lot of words there. They were gripped with great wonder and awe. They praised God. And they exclaimed as loud as they could, we have seen some amazing things today. When was the last time that you were gripped with awe and wonder with God? I say that because, again, I really feel up my spirit that someone needs to hear this. Some of us are, such, are stuck in routine with God that it's been a while since you have experienced the wonder of God. I, I can't help but think about any relationship, any marriage relationship, any dating relationship, anything. When you're kind of stuck in a rut doing the same thing over and over. That might not be your world, but doing the same thing over and over. And there's predictability. that You lose that sense of wonder in relationships, in marriage. You lose that sense of wonder. And you have to go back in your mind or you have to go back and say, let's go to square one. And I want to be amazed. It's the same thing with God. If I feel like I'm stuck in a rut with God, I go, Lord, I apologize for just going through the motions. I repent of that. And I go back to you as a child. And a child is full of wonder. See, I'll give you an example of that. When I was a kid, it didn't snow a lot where I was from, but once in a while it snowed. And every time it snowed, I was filled with wonder. You get ever the same when you were a kid? You go outside and look at the snow. But when you're a grown-up, when it starts snowing, you're filled with dread. Not wonder, even though it's amazing. Some of us, we're more holy than that. We think snow is a great thing all the time. How many of us want snow all year round? Yeah, you can go to heaven too. I'll go hang out with you. I'm filled with dread when I say, them, like, oh, the roads. But when I was a kid, I was full of wonder. Why? Because you are like a child. You go, that's amazing. We need to go back to God that way. We need to be gripped with great wonder. And Here's my point. You might not have to write this down. My point is, is our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Try thinking of that song without the song, Rich Mullins song. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns, right? I, that's my point. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Our God is an awesome God. He wants to be that God where He is amazing in your life, that you know you can look at different things. you can look at different things the world has to offer in your life. There is nothing that this world has to offer that it's in comparison to Christ that's amazing or awesome or wonderful. There's nothing that fills me with awe. Maybe looking at the stars, I do look in the star, at the stars, and I 'm still filled with wonder. But the fact is, I desire this relationship with God, where He fills me with wonder. Now, the second word. Wonderful counselor. I don't want you to raise your hand. You don't might not be comfortable raising your hand, but if you've ever had a counselor in your life. A trained counselor, they 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 went to school for it, they got a degree, they they they're trained for it. Those this sermon that I'm talking about is not against that. Or the advice of other people. In fact I would actually recommend it, that sometimes we're like, nope, all I need is God and me, and that's it. That's another, that's another sermon. I don't need that. I don't need you, Dwayne. need your coffee. And I'll go to your, I'll go to your store, and I'll get, I'll buy some windshield wipers and other things. I've gone to buy windshield wipers there a few times. But I go, but I don't, I don't need your advice. What kind of attitude is that towards my brother here? Like I said, I don't know everything about everything, but there's people that know things that have, like if I, if I go, I don't know, what's that noise in my car? Anybody have noises in your car that should go away? You turn on the radio, that's the, that's the key. Make it louder. No, you go, who are you going to go to? You're going to go to advice from someone that doesn't know anything about cars? You're going to go to someone that knows what they're talking about. We need advice. We need wisdom. So we need each other. But I'm talking about the, Awesome counselor, the amazing counselor, the wonderful counselor. The counselor has one job it's to guide and direct you into where you need to go. It's the, it, that's what a counselor is. Whether it be a friend or a pastor or a teacher when you're a kid, or a coach, or a brother and sister physically, or like an older brother, older sister, or a sibling, or your grandpa, or whatever it was when you're a kid, or a pastor. Another person in the church, your spouse, whatever the case may be, their job, if they're going to counsel you, is to take you where you need to go. I needed some advice yesterday about that barbecue sauce on my cheek. I had a wonderful counselor yesterday say, psst, you need to wipe that off. There's people looking. You're making me embarrassed. She didn't say that. I don't think you, you thought it though, right? No? Wow. I've been wrong for the first time. But see, it's to, they're going to talk to you. They're going to see things that need to change that you cannot see because you have blind spots. The counselor is going to give you some course corrections. You're driving down a road and you don't realize that the end of this road has a dead end sign. If you crash that sign, you're driving off the cliff. You need someone to go, turn, turn around. You need someone that's waving a light and you're going, what is this light going on here? Get out of the way. No, you need stop. What? You go, you can't go that way. We need a counselor. It's going to guide you in the right direction. Here's my main point. Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, has the wisdom that you need for the life that God has called you to live. We've talked about, we've, some of the worship songs even reference this, that I build my life on your love, God. I build my, my life is about Christ. He's guiding me. My, I do, listen, this, some people don't like this, I get it. Because there's some, there's some aspects of the church capital C, that they say, when you become a Christian, he is just going to bless your will, and that's all that there is to it. He will, you can go wherever you want, as long as it's not sin, just go wherever you want, he's going to bless it. it. We ignore the fact that God wants to build our life. He wants to be our foundation. Everything builds upon that foundation, that nothing that we do on this earth should be on the outside of that foundation. Our foundation is God. He's called you to live a life, a life that's holy, a life that's pure, a life that is full of his glory and that you're going out and you're sharing the light of Christ with the people around. That's why he's the light of the world and you're the light of the world. Jesus says both. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're not holy. You're not righteous. You don't, you don't know what God wants you to do. Well, the key is, Stop doing it in your own power. Realize that God is the wonderful counselor, and he has the wisdom that you need for the life that God's called you live. And you go, I've never heard from God. I get it. There's been times I go, God, what do I do? Do I do A or B? Ah, uh, And then I go, I don't know. I have no idea. Sometimes there's that moment where we simply have to just trust that God's going to lead. He's going to guide your steps. The Bible says that in Proverbs. But we need to understand that God's called you to live a life that you cannot live on your own. You must have the wonderful counselor. Now, as we close this, I want to talk about a few things about why I believe he is a wonderful counselor, according to my experience. The first reason why I believe that he's a wonderful counselor, according to my experience, is he knows all you need. When I've had advice from people, either it be a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a friend of mine or my spouse, and it's when she gives me advice or I give her advice, sometimes we don't know what's best for each other because I've never lived Lydia's, I've never lived her life. I don't have the same history as she does. Her childhood and my childhood, different. So when she goes, well, what do I do in this situation? I could give her advice. Well, this is what I would do. And then she goes, you have no idea right? Sometimes I'm going to give her bad advice. It's the truth. Because I'm human. I'm fallible. How many of us are infallible? Like, what does that even mean? How many of us are perfect? I'm fallible. Sometimes I'm going to give her advice and she's going to look at me and go, see, I should have listened to such and such person, not you. (laughs) But the reality is we've all had people like that. And Every person that even people that we pay money for and they give us advice, they didn't live they, they don't understand everything about about you. And so they don't know your history, they don't know your background, they don't know how you work, they don't know how many hairs are on your head. We need someone that knows everything that we need, and that would be the greatest counselor on earth, because he's gonna give you the right advice. In fact, the scripture in Matthew six your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So stop stressing over your prayer life. Stop being so bored in your prayer life. Stop trying to figure out exactly, what do I pray about? Ah, God knows exactly what you need. And if that's true, you can go to him and go, Lord, I trust you. Lead me there. Guide me there. That's it. The second reason I believe that it kind of has to do with what we were talking about just a moment ago, but our great counselor, he identifies with your pain. I talked about this just a moment ago, but... The greatest of all counselors is someone that has experienced what you experience. Think about, think about a young mother or a young father who just had a newborn, and you want to raise your child in a way that your parents couldn't. Think of the, say the mother had a horrible childhood, and the father goes, you know what? We need to do this and this and this. The mother's going to go, no, I, I, I had a horrible childhood. I don't want to do this. She has great advice about how to raise a child in a sense that I don't, you know, she's going to understand that. But I, I'm going to go, let's talk to, if me and Lydia are talking and I say, this is what I would do in the situation when you feel abandoned. If someone's been abandoned, she go, you have no idea what that means. We need a God who understands what we've gone through. I have the perfect scripture. In fact, I love this. I, 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 I don't, I don't have any tattoos. I probably won't get any tattoos, whatever. But if I had one, this is one I would put on there. I definitely would put it on a wall. Okay, or on a mug. It's Hebrews four fifteen. It is a paraphrase, but it says we don't have a priest talking about Jesus. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and he's been through testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. I love that about Jesus. I want you to think about a, a, a counselor for just a moment. The counselor has experienced your same childhood. He knows how you, why you're broken in pieces in, in, in your heart. He knows exactly what you need in order to get you to where you need to go. That's Jesus. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality, he's been through weakness. He's been through testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. I love that. That's who Jesus is. He's a wonderful counselor because he wants to guide you. He actually has a uh, a desire to guide you. I want you to think about, and this is not against any counseling, okay? Any counseling. But sometimes when you go to a counselor, they might give you advice, and the only reason why they're doing it is because they're getting a paycheck, They don't really care about how the direction of his advice, his or her advice is going. But we actually have a God who actually wants to guide you. He wants you to go where he wants you to go more than you want to go, if that even makes any sense. He wants you to go where he wants you to go more than you want to go in that direction. He will show you the way. In fact, John 10.10 shows you his purpose. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Here's, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. There's a reason why Jesus used the word good shepherd and not a bad shepherd. A bad shepherd doesn't care if you're, if you're going in one way or the other. A good shepherd guides his sheep to where they need to go. I heard it this way a long time ago. A good shepherd is always going to lead you to greener pastures. A good shepherd is never going to lead you to a pasture that is horrible. I'm going to lead you to a pasture where there's a bunch of wolves. A good shepherd, he's protecting you from those wolves. He takes that staff. You know what that staff's for? Beat those things and to push and prod the sheep. But if a wolf comes here, you're going to use that staff and go... But that's what Jesus is, a good shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He guides you to a place that he wants you to go, into the pen, if you will. So how does Jesus become our wonderful counselor? Well, we're almost done. Two minutes. Here's your part. If you want Jesus to be your, good, your guide, your counselor, you've got to listen. And you've got to be obedient. How do you listen? You must be in his word. I'm going to say it as blunt as I can. If you're not in his word, you can't hear him. Or you can't at least understand who, if it's God or not, if it's just last night's pizza. You got to be in God's word. And you also must listen to his Holy Spirit. There's two, it's a mixture. You got to be in the word of God. And you got to be full of his spirit. And he will guide you. He will speak to you. The last thought is such an important thought. I want to leave you with this. Counsel is most wonderful when it's obeyed and listened to. As we close, I want to give you an example of what I believe. The only way to get counsel, true counsel from God that's actually a wonderful thing, it makes you feel better, is you have to go up to him in beforehand and say, I'm here to listen to you and obey you. I want to give you an example. Married couple goes to marriage counseling. If you're married... You don't have to raise your hand. They always do premarital counseling. I think I think that's fine. I think it's more important afterwards. That's just me. Maybe pre-marital counseling. You you you're, you're getting married. Everything's perfect. Your dream marriage, and then you get into reality, and you go, I need some help. But let's say a married couple. The wife goes, Honey, we need to go to counseling. And the husband's like, Okay. He goes to counseling. And he goes, he crosses his arms like this. And the counselor goes, and he goes, I'm only here because she makes me. But go ahead. Give me some advice. I'm, I'm ready to listen. But he has this bad attitude about it. Do you think that he's going to have a wonderful time with that counseling session? Do you think he's going to learn anything? Now, obviously, no. We've all been there. We've all been there where someone gave us advice, yeah, 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 well, whatever, blah, 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 whatever. We have this bad attitude. But if you go up to this, if you're, a, if you're, especially the Savior, husband, and you go, as humbling as it is, I need help. I need advice. What do I do to be a better husband? And you go to that counselor and you say, I'm, I'm all ears. Help me, please. You go to a godly counselor and they say, this is what you need to do to be a better husband. You go to there and you go, I'm, whatever you say right now, I'm going I'm to try. I'm going to do it. You're going to get so much more out of that counseling. The same is true with God. If you go to God and you say, I trust you with everything, you obey and you listen to him, you're going to find that counseling for the Holy Spirit is a wonderful thing because he's going to guide you and lead you where you need to go. Because like I said at the beginning, you don't know everything about everything I don't either. I need someone that's bigger than me. I need someone that created me. He knows my DNA. He knows how how many hairs are on my head. He knows exactly what I need. He's a great, wonderful counselor. I need that. We all need that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to live for you. And I know this is humbling because sometimes, as much as we like to admit that, man, I just know everything about me. The reality is, no, we don't. We need advice. We need counseling. We need to know what you want us to do, God, and you show us the way. You guide us. You lead us. You're the good shepherd. You shepherd us. You lead us into greener pastures. You're showing us your will, and I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, Lord, if there's anyone in this room that's got a decision to make, I pray that you would guide them. But more, even more, as important as that is, that we come to you and say, Lord, we trust your will is the best. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to obey you because that's what's best. And I will get the most out of that counseling that you give us by my posture, the posture I have of obedience. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Next.